Good morning and welcome. I hope and trust everyone had a peaceful, enjoyable Christmas. I hope everyone remembered the true meaning of this holiday and the spirit that we have. And we pray that you will continue to work on your own personal journey. We had a fantastic uh, Christmas Eve service. Many, many thanks to Dave who led that service as well as our fourth grade uh, class. They did a great job, so thank you to all the students who participated. We really do appreciate that. Let's take a moment and uh, review some of the activities here in your bulletin from the life of the church and other items coming up. Take a look at the rear of your bulletin as well as the screen behind me. Our next family ministry, and that is really for grades uh, five on up, will meet on January 3rd. So again, that's the next time for that class to meet January 3rd. Uh, as far as service opportunities, uh, it's our responsibility this year uh, to begin on January 6th at the food bank. Just to give you a quick review, we've had a fantastic year. The giving and support of the community at the food bank has just been fantastic. And uh, we continue to try to serve those that are less fortunate. We're one of 14 churches in the area that try to uh, take care of those, as I said, that are less fortunate. Uh, our next opportunity to work there at the food bank is on January 6th from 1.30 to 3.30. If you're free uh, and could help, please let me know. We could use all the help and that would be much appreciated. And again, if you can't help the next time you go to the supermarket, pick up a can of soup or a jar of peanut butter and uh, bring it downstairs and we'll make sure it gets over to those that are less fortunate at the food bank. Other items of importance, you see that at 9.15, uh, we're trying to reconvene our prayer meetings downstairs in the fellowship hall. On January 31st is our business meeting. And again, our pulte, that is our governance, is one of being a congregationalist. And what that means is the members of the church are the people who approve and affirm the decisions of the leadership. There'll be some changes on your leadership, and we also will be voting on our 2021 uh, budget. All those uh, have all that information has been put in your mailboxes. There are additional copies in the back. Our meetings uh, will convene immediately following our church service on the 31st. Even if you're not a, a member, but if you're a casual uh, visitor, you're more than free to come. We'll just ask you to refrain on any of the voting items, but uh, our meetings are totally open. Uh, so if you have the budgets, you know the changes in leadership. If you have any questions, it's your opportunity between now and the 21st or 31st of January to meet with other peoples in leadership to get the clarifications you need in order to, for your voting on the 31st. There will be no Sunday school service uh, for the K-1 and the two through four classes today. I think those are all the announcements. Sam McMillan is gonna come and uh, share the call to worship. So would everyone please stand for our call to worship. Sam?
since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend the agonies of Calvary you the perfect holy one crushed your son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me your blood has washed away my sin Jesus, thank you, the Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you, once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. By your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought the riches of your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end your blood has washed away my sin Jesus thank you the Father's wrath completely satisfied Jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table Thank you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Lover of my soul, I want to live. have uh, several items for prayer to make you aware of this morning, uh, and uh, just would ask that you would, uh, some of these you've heard before, others uh, might be new to you, but uh, just make a little note and commit yourself to pray this week for these requests and others. Uh, certainly it is a great privilege of ours as the people of God to uh, bear one another's burdens uh, as it relates to the trials and the struggles that we face in life through prayer. 
but also to, uh, to celebrate the Lord's faithfulness in prayer as well. Uh, so as I uh, share these uh, requests, please uh, make note of those. Uh, Ruth Wallstrom has a, her doctor's appointment tomorrow. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that uh, Ruth has just been dealing with a lot of uh, pain and discomfort, and uh, she's asked that we pray that her uh, time at the doctor tomorrow would, uh, would reveal exactly what's going on, uh, that uh, there'd be some answers to her uh, suffering, and uh, Lord willing, that it would be something that they can treat as well. Uh, also reached out to Tommy Whitmer, th Whitmer this morning for an update on uh, Laura and the pregnancy. Uh, you may not realize this. Uh, I know in the email that went out uh, earlier this week, it was, they mentioned that uh, Laura had not been feeling well, and they are actually waiting for COVID tests to come back as well. Uh, but Tommy says Laura is doing much better today uh, in relation to uh, the illness, but also uh, the uh, problems of the pregnancy. She's having a better day right now. And just as we continue to pray, this is going to be something that is uh, ongoing uh, as far as uh, the danger of complications uh, in the pregnancy until the baby's actually born. So please uh, be in prayer for Tommy and Laura and for their unborn child as uh, they await uh, the, his or her joyful arrival. Uh, also, it's great to see Ann Berrios here this morning. As you know, a prayer request went out for Ann as she's been dealing with an infection. She says she's doing great, and thank you for praying, and we want to just uh, praise God for uh, his work of healing in her life. Uh, also, please continue to pray for uh, Missy Logan's son, Drake, who's been dealing with uh, pretty significant and severe foot pain. Uh, it's affecting his ability to work. Uh, and also, we pray for her co-worker, uh, Terry, who's also having health issues. So that's uh, Missy's co-worker, Terry. Um, also, we want to continue to pray for Linnell uh, Schwarren's aunt, uh, who, as we learned last week, had received uh, two separate, uh, very uh, devastating diagnoses of cancer. So we want to pray for her, for her health, and also just for her spiritual uh, encouragement at this time. And also, I think it'd be good for us, uh, as we face uh, another year ahead as, a, as the church, uh, that we pray uh, for one another as a church family, but also for the uh, ministry and health of the church as we move forward into 2021. I, I trust that for all of us, uh, we would move into this new year uh, in light of the previous one uh, with a sense of gratitude for God's faithfulness, but also hopefully also with a weight of uh, uh, just the uh, a burden that we should have for those outside the faith. I, I pray that this would be a year of uh, faithful evangelism, uh, both in our efforts as a church, uh, in ministry endeavors, but also individually uh, in our workplaces and uh, other places where we come in contact with those outside the faith. So let's look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for this great day. What a, what a joy it is to be back together again uh, following an incredible Christmas Eve service and a celebration on Friday, Lord, of your uh, your birth uh, with an eye to uh, what you would ultimately accomplish for your people in your death and resurrection. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the gift of family that we have here at New Hope Christian Fellowship. And Lord, we want to be faithful uh, in every phase of life to be uh, fervent in our love for one another and in our efforts to uh, care for one another well. And Lord, one of the ways that we care best is to pray for one another as we come before you in faith. And so we joyfully do that this morning, even as we lift up uh, prayer requests that are 
uh, uncertain from a human perspective, even uh, discouraging as we deal with the effects of sin in this world, uh, as we deal with illness and pain. Uh, but Lord, we do so with an eye to a glorious eternity with you. Uh, there is nothing that we endure in this life that will come even close uh, to the great glory that we have, uh, that we share with you, and the joy that we will have when we see you face to face. So Lord, help us to, to pray this morning even for weighty matters uh, with, with an eye to when all things are made new in Christ. Uh, Lord, we do pray for our sister Ruth today and for her appointment tomorrow. Lord, we pray for resolution for her and, and also, Lord, a, a, a plan of treatment that will help her find uh, relief from the pain that she's been facing. Uh, Lord, we pray that this would be a, a time of, uh, e even as she awaits the appointment, Lord, of her uh, choosing to rest in you. Uh, Lord, strengthen her faith, we pray, and, and Lord, we pray that you would bring about a, a good result in her life through this. Lord, we know that ultimately you are at work for her good, and so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to see that good uh, as, as she walks this road. Uh, Lord, we pray for Tommy and Laura this morning. Lord, we, uh, whatever the outcome of their test may be with the COVID, Lord, we pray for uh, healing uh, for Laura as she is the one who has had the symptoms. And, uh, Lord, uh, for your protection over Tommy and the boys. And, Lord, we continue to pray for Laura's pregnancy. Uh, Lord, you know the, uh, the different... Uh, things that, that she's facing there and the danger to the, the baby if she doesn't get the rest that she needs. And so, Lord, we pray that your hand would be uh, upon her and, uh, Lord, you would protect them both during this season. Uh, Lord, we pray for continued strengthening of Laura's body and, and also of this uh, unborn uh, baby that you would uh, guide and, and uh, strengthen uh, his or her body, Lord, that, uh, that uh, you would allow this child to to, to develop and grow uh, as, as, uh, as should happen, uh, Lord, in this phase of the pregnancy. And uh, Lord, just uh, be with them both during this season, uh, Lord, that it would be a time of, of joy and expectation in you. Lord, we continue to pray for Drake, and Lord, that you would alleviate the pain that he is under. Uh, Lord, we pray also for his spiritual health as well, Lord, that uh, this would be something that you would use in his life, Lord, to to deepen uh, or even awaken faith in you, Lord, that it would be a time of, uh, of recognizing that, that even in the midst of our trials, Lord, you are uh, satisfying. You are the one who strengthens and enables us uh, to walk this road faithfully. And, Lord, we would pray that for her co-worker, Terry, as well. Lord, that your hand would be uh, at work in this situation, bringing about health and healing, uh, both physically and spiritually. Uh, Lord, we continue to pray for Linnell's aunt, and we ask, Lord, that uh, even in the midst of uh, dealing with the shock of, of uh, two separate diagnoses of ca cancer, Lord, that you would uh, be at work strengthening her faith. Uh, Lord, allow her to, to draw near to you uh, through time in your word and in prayer, and uh, Lord, through the encouragement that she receives from those who, uh, uh, who are both friends and family, Lord, that it would be a time of uh, of her drawing near to you and, uh, uh, and depending upon you uh, in this, her hour of need. And Lord, we also pray for the year that lies ahead. Lord, I, I want to pray for each of the ministries of this church, Lord, that you would use them in the lives of others uh, for eternal purposes, Lord, from our children's ministry and educational ministry, Lord, that uh, uh, the, the seeds that are planted of truth as, as your word is taught 
week after week, uh, Lord, would, uh, uh, would blossom into sincere, sincere faith in the lives of our young people. And for those that do believe already, Lord, that uh, you would use those classes to, to, to further uh, strengthen and solidify what these children are learning at home about you as well. Uh, and Lord, that your hand would be upon them. And, and Lord, that the generation that you raise up from this church, uh, from our children's ministry, uh, would, be, uh, uh, would grow into young men and women who follow hard and faithfully after you, uh, even in the midst of, of much temptation and uncertainty uh, from a human perspective in this life. Uh, Lord, we pray for our small group ministry in the coming year, Lord, that uh, it would be a time of, of deepening relationships between uh, the men and women of this church. Lord, that it would be a time of a, of, of a, of a soberness and a, a sincerity of faith, Lord, that would grow and develop within each uh, member, Lord, that um, Lord, you would use these, these times of prayer and fellowship and study together uh, truly to build your church and to strengthen your body. Lord, we uh, pray for our family ministry as well. Uh, Lord, as we uh, have this opportunity to gather together with uh, junior high and high schoolers and middle schoolers to seek to encourage them in their faith, Lord, I, I pray that uh, in spite of all the distractions that this world would offer, Lord, that uh, you would allow our teens to have a clear vision of who you are from your word that you would raise them up to serve you wholeheartedly to, 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 for, so that no matter what, uh, what college they may go to or, or what job they may enter into, Lord, that they would do so as faithful followers of yours and you would use them for your eternal glory. Lord, we pray for our ongoing uh, Sunday morning services as well, Lord. We want each and every worship service that we have to be centered upon you uh, Lord, that you would be the, the focus of our, our singing. Uh, Lord, that you would be magnified in preaching. Lord, that you would be honored uh, in our hearts as we give. Uh, Lord, in all that we do, uh, Lord, that, that we would come here, uh, Lord, not to, to, to sit in, in judgment over the events that take place, but Lord, that we would come eagerly and expectantly, Lord, as we expect to see you glorified in our midst. Lord, I, I pray that... Uh, uh, you would be honored through each and every service, Lord, that our faith would be built up. Uh, Lord, that the uh, comfortable, Lord, would be uh, afflicted in the sense that we are forced to draw near to you in faith. Lord, that those who come in that are afflicted by the cares of this world, Lord, would find comfort in you. Uh, but Lord, that we would not be satisfied with where we are in our walk, but Lord, that we would desire more and more of you. Uh, do this, we pray, for our good and for your glory. Lord, we would pray for, our, for much fruit from our outreach ministries. Lord, we pray that uh, your hand would be upon the food bank and our efforts to build relationships uh, at Marietta Day and the candlelight tour and, and the other things that we do on, on a normal year. Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, for new endeavors to, to, to reach out uh, to those in our community who do not know you. Lord, we pray that we would be a, a godly encouragement in the coming year to, to those that we partner with and support as missionaries as well. Lord, that in all of these things, uh, you would be seen as our treasure. And we pray this in your name. Amen.
Let's stand and sing.
Amen. Today we dive back into our study of the Gospel of John. Today we are in John chapter 4, and we'll be focusing on verses 1 through 14. Uh, now I will remind you, like last week, we will have some uh, sermon points on the screen to help you as we go through a good bit of material this morning. 
Uh, but again, these are just to be signposts to help you along your way. Uh, there may be other things that you hear that you, uh, uh, if you are a note taker, that you uh, ought to record as well. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 14, that's found on page 888 in the Bibles that are provided for you there in uh, the rows, if you do not have your own copy of the scriptures. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed, departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a, a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this passage. Lord, not just where we stop today at verse 14, uh, but this entire story of your mercy shown to uh, one so un deserving. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that we were equally undeserving, yet you extended grace to us as well. Lord, for the unbeliever among us, help him to see or her to see that they are undeserving, but you are gracious. Awaken faith within them, we pray. Lord, you know my uh, concerns uh, about the amount of content today. I pray for help and wisdom. Help my brothers and sisters to hear well, be glorified, uh, Lord, in our midst as your word is proclaimed. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, with having taken last week off for a Christmas-themed uh, message from Isaiah, uh, I think it is good for us at this moment just to uh, 
at least have a brief refresher on the Gospel of John. And by brief, I mean focusing on the purpose of the Gospel of John. If I were to ask you, those that have been here for the past uh, several months as we've worked through this book, um, where do you find the purpose of the Gospel of John? You would all resound back loudly and, and with much joy. John 20, verses 30 and 31, right? Okay, maybe. Hopefully you would. Uh, but let me read those to you again, because it is in this section of the Gospel of John where John basically summarizes why he's recorded exactly what he recorded in the life of Jesus. John 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Did you get that last part, verse 31? But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That is the greatest issue facing anyone in the world today. Who is Jesus and where do you stand in relation to him? It's not whether or not you're going to get $600 or $2,000 in COVID relief. It's not even where the money is going to come from to pay your rent if things are tough. It's not how many likes you got on your latest Facebook post. It's not whether or not you're going to get that raise at the end of the year that you so richly deserve. The greatest issue is where do we stand in light of who Jesus is and what he's done? And in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, that was the story of Nicodemus. And here in John chapter 4, verses 1 all the way through 42, the, the story of the Samaritan woman, we see two people compare two people who at first glance could not be any different than one another. Nicodemus, a, a Pharisee, Teacher of the people, respected by the multitudes, and the Samaritan woman who we will see over the next couple of weeks, who, who was a woman who was known for her sin. Two people so different, yet they have the same need. They needed the same Lord and Savior, and the same is true today. No matter whether you may look good to the world outwardly in terms of your appearance and your way of life. You may have a moral lifestyle like Nicodemus or maybe you have a life that is filled with regret because of, of, the, of the sins of your past and perhaps even the sins of your present. Our need is the same because the moral person without Jesus is still guilty before God because they have sinned against him. And the immoral person who is well aware of their sin, it, 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 feeling bad about how you've lived is not enough to save you. We have to turn to Christ by faith. Jesus truly is a Savior for all people, and the gospel is a gospel for all people. And today we will see this in two ways. It, 
First of all, as we consider the unexpected encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, and then secondly, the incredible offer that he makes to her. And again, may God build his church as we look at this incredible passage of Scripture. First of all, an unexpected encounter. Verses 1 through 9, let me read those to you again. Actually, let's focus first on verses 1 through 6, the setting. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. And when you see those parentheses in the text, you can basically read that as John's explanation to, to those of us who weren't there at the time. He's saying, oftentimes in his gospel, he's, he's given us more understanding as to what's going on. So it says, Jesus was baptizing more. John says, no, not really. It was his disciples, but they were baptizing in Jesus' name. He, Jesus, left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, we saw last, or two weeks ago, in, in the second half of, the, of chapter 3, uh, that Jesus' disciples uh, were, or that Jesus' ministry was growing in popularity. You remember that passage, right? John the Baptist's disciples come to him, and they can't believe it. John, you, Jesus, the guy you've been testifying about, his, his ministry is becoming greater than yours. They were fearful. They were worried. And what was John's response? Amen. Good. That, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. And so in chapter 4, John is picking up on that as we transition into another scene in the ministry of Jesus. Now it's Jesus' disciples performing, performing more baptisms than John the Baptist and his disciples. From John's perspective, he was thrilled. John was thrilled by the growth of Jesus' ministry and the increase of his fathers, followers. Sorry, John's disciples, not so much. And here in, in verse 1 of chapter 4, we see that the Pharisees, like John the Baptist's disciples, had also taken notice. And rather than to risk a premature confrontation with the Pharisees, Jesus decides it's time to head back to Galilee. Now, one thing I don't want us to do here as we hear about Jesus moving away from the Pharisees is to, is to make the assumption that Jesus was somehow afraid of the Pharisees. There, there was no fear, just the wisdom to recognize that it was not yet now the time to engage the Pharisees in the way that he will later in the ministry, in his ministry. Why? Because when he starts doing that, that's when they began the plan to kill him. And Jesus, the ministry's just starting. He's got much more to do. He's got many other places to, to, to preach. He's got other miracles to perform. And so in this case, he moves on. And in choosing to head north to Galilee, Jesus and his disciples really had two options to get there. The direct route was to travel north through Samaria 
And the second option was to travel east and cross the Jordan River and then head north again and then back uh, west after going through Perea and Decapolis uh, uh, to get to Galilee. You had the straight route and then you had a very roundabout way. So why would anyone choose the longer route to avoid Samaria? That's a good question, right? Well, if you were Jewish in that day, then the longer route would have at least been a temptation in order to avoid coming in contact with the dreaded Samaritans. The, the region of Samaria encompassed most of what was once the northern kingdom of Israel. In the Old Testament, following the end of King Solomon's reign, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two kingdoms. The, the northern kingdom, which retained the name Israel, and then the southern kingdom of Judah. And this split, which was a punishment from God, would ultimately lay the foundation for the animosity that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans in Jesus' day. To go through Samaria wasn't just to go through any other old country. There, there was animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. The, the, the Samaritans were a people of mixed race as they had both a Jewish and Gentile heritage. They had Jewish and Gentile blood flowing through their veins, as it were. And interestingly enough, as you consider the ge geography, Judah, Samaria, then the Gentile lands, it's almost a picture of the, of the, of the split, right? You have the Jews who saw themselves as pure. You had the Samaritans who were considered half-breeds by the Jews. That's a very ugly term. And then you had the Gentiles, even further north, who were not considered the people of God at all. The, the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans. Therefore, they, they considered them no better or different than the Gentiles. They were unclean in the eyes of the Jews. The Samaritans, in turn, saw themselves as being every bit as Jewish as, as the Jews in Judah. But they, in turn, looked down on the, on the Gentiles. And the hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans was pervasive. So Jews passing through Samaria typically wanted to, to, to get through that region as quickly as possible to avoid anything that might potentially make them unpure or unclean by the time they got where they were going. And it was in this climate that Jesus arrives in the town of Sychar, near the field that, that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. Now that's a, a reference to, to Genesis 48, 22, when, when Jacob is giving his inheritance, or Jacob is, or Joseph is part of the inheritance. Now, this would have been an area that would have been the, the source of much pride for the Samaritans, their tie to the patriarchs of old. Here, it, here was a, a well that was believed to be dug by the great patriarch Jacob himself. And not only at that, but in that same region, the grave of Joseph could be found only a few hundred yards away. So this was a, a, a source of much pride. And Jesus arrives in Sychar at, at the sixth hour. That would be what we call noon, the, the hot part of the day. 
And the Bible tells us he was wearied from his journey. Jesus knew what it was like to be weary. And brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I find great comfort to know that. Sam McMillan opened the service by reading from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. I'm going to read verse 15 again to you. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knew weariness. He knew the temptations that came with being exhausted, yet he never gave in. So for us, who better for us to turn to in our time of need for help? than the one who knows how we feel, yet never sinned. So here we find Jesus in hostile territory, weary, thirsty, and alone, when along comes the Samaritan woman. Verses 7 through 9. There came a woman of Samaria... To draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to them, said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The encounter. Now, I've already highlighted some of the animosity that existed uh, between the Jews and the Samaritans, but I want to consider three specific hurdles that had to be overcome in Jesus interacting with this Samaritan woman. Uh, this is something that Andres Kostenberger highlights. The first hurdle would be the ethnic differences between Jews and Samaritans. Jews had, a very, had very little regard for the Samaritans, and the, and the Samaritans resented them for it. We've touched on this. But add to that the fact that most Jewish men would not speak to any woman in public, much less a Samaritan woman, and, and, and in public. And this encounter becomes even more incredible. Some Jewish religious leaders actually asserted that all Samaritan women were continuously consider, uh, to be considered or ceremonially unclean in the same way that Jewish women were when they were menstruating. Now, I, I share that with you because it's interesting, but it shows the, the, the depth of the hatred that the Jews had for the Samaritans. Now, if you read your Old Testament law, the, uh, a woman during her, her time of the month was considered unclean, but there was a, a purification ritual that she would go through in, in order to, to, to really enter back into public life and public worship at the end of that time. But the religious leaders, some of the religious leaders among the Jews said, no, well, for the Samaritan woman, there is no purification. She is continuously unclean. But Jesus, Jesus has no time for the opinions of religious leaders and their sinful racism against the Samaritans. 
Now, the second hurdle that would need to be overcome was religious in nature. The views that the Jews viewed the entirety of what we call the Old Testament to be divinely inspired, while the Samaritans only held to the first five books, the books of Moses, which we call the Pentateuch. And we'll see in, in coming weeks as we continue through this passage that, that they also disputed about worship and, and where to worship as well. So there was the, 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 the ethnic problem, there was the, the, the religious problem, and then finally we see the final hurdle needed to be overcome was a moral problem. The Samaritan woman was an adulteress. And this is probably why she came alone to the well at the middle of the day. Women typically drew water in the morning or in the evening, and they did so in groups. But this woman comes alone at a time when no one else would have been there. But someone was there. Jesus, and the way he was dressed would have set him apart as being Jewish right off the bat. She, she didn't have to hear his accent. She didn't have to talk to him or hear the words that, that he used. She could tell by looking at him that he was Jewish. She probably came to the well keeping her distance as much as possible from him. But Jesus disrupts her solitude and he also has the nerve to speak to her. Verse 8, he says, give me a drink. Jesus breaks all customs and pretense in order to engage this woman. In the religious leader's eyes of the Jews, he would be already considered unclean. But public opinion is not his priority. This unexpected encounter catches the woman off guard, hence her incredulous response. You know who you're talking to, pal? How, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And, and John helps us with the significance of her response with, with his parenthetical commentary. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Culturally speaking, brothers and sisters, this is scandalous, this exchange. But Jesus has a greater Agenda. Now, I mentioned the, 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 the differences between, the, the, between Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman in my introduction. But, but consider them for a moment. One is religious. One is respected. One is a teacher of the nation. The other holds to a form of religion, but is an outcast because of her lifestyle. She's rejected even by her own people. But Jesus engages them both with the incredible offer of salvation. In verse 10, Jesus takes the conversation to another level. Let me read verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's up in his game. He, he's taking it to the next level. If you're surprised that, that, that I would speak to you, me, a Jewish man, and ask you for a drink, if that surprises you, then you would be shocked if you knew who that man is. 
Jesus gives her three things to ponder. First of all, what is the gift of God that he's referring to? Secondly, who is it that, that is speaking? Who is this guy? And third, what does he mean by living water? These are the three questions that Jesus will answer in his encounter with a Samaritan woman, which runs all the way through verse 45. The, these questions are answered over the course of this entire section, so I'm going to really struggle to, to not get too far ahead of myself this morning. But the first issue addressed is, is the last that Jesus mentioned, this idea of living water, verses 10 through 12. I'll pick up at verse 11. The, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Like Nicodemus in chapter 3, the woman fails to understand the significance of what is being offered to her. With Nicodemus, he talked about what? Being born again, born of the Spirit. With the woman at the well, it is living water. Living water in the natural sense would have been understood simply as fresh water, literally water that bubbles forth, water that flowed from a spring or some other source. Now we need to keep in mind that the setting is Jacob's well, a well that was ancient, and deep. Even now, it's over 100 feet deep. And back then, it would have been even deeper. And the water that flowed from that well was much different than the water that flowed into it. It wasn't fresh. The only way for that water to get out was either to evaporate or to be drawn out. So the water sat. And just as Nicodemus' ignorance of the spiritual realities of the new birth were revealed, so too is the Samaritan woman's ignorance revealed through the words of Jesus as he utters living, the phrase living water. Now, this has Old Testament connotations. In the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah the Lord refers to himself as the fountain of living water, both in chapter 12 and in uh, chapter, excuse me, chapter 17 and in chapter 2. Listen to chapter 2, verse 13 of the book of Jeremiah. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have hewed out or carved out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. May that never be said of us, brothers and sisters, that we've ceased to be satisfied with God. That's his great condemnation of his people in the book of Jeremiah. Listen, I have offered myself the fountain of living water, the one who can truly satisfy my people and they have rejected me in order to, 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 to carve out and to go their own way and to seek to be satisfied by something else. May it never be said that we've ceased to be satisfied with God, that we've forsaken Him to be filled by our own sin. 
something that could never satisfy us. Brothers and sisters, God takes his place in our lives very seriously. So we need to remember who Jesus is talking to. This woman whose life was characterized by seeking to be satisfied with sinful things. If you don't believe me now, just for the rest of this week, read the rest of chapter 4 and you'll see. This was a woman who sought to be satisfied with sinful things. And it is to this woman that Jesus says, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What an incredible offer. This woman does not yet understand, but brothers and sisters, she will. She will. We, we see in her response that the woman is still thinking in natural terms, although she, she, she does seem to be picking up that, that Jesus is making incredible claims now. So again, let's consider her response. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the, and the well is deep. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't see a rope. I don't see a bucket. Where, where are you getting this water that you're speaking of, sir? This is one of the deepest wells in Palestine. If not from this well, where will you get this water? Are, are you greater than our father Jacob? He dug it and drank from it, and, and it's provided water for his people for generations. How can you top that with this living water, sir? And again, she's thinking in natural terms. And we know that Jesus has something greater in view. Now, we know that, the, that John uh, the Apostle likes his parentheses, and so I want to, to insert one of my own right here as it relates to this section. This question, are you greater than our father Jacob, is one of three that we're going to encounter in the Gospel of John. The first is, are you greater than Jacob? Second is, are you greater than Moses? And then finally, are you greater than our father Abraham? And remember, I told you weeks ago that, that one of, uh, of the goals of John's writing is to show, indeed, how Jesus is greater than all these. And so even though Jesus doesn't answer with, yeah, the answer is implied. Yes, yes, he is greater. He is greater than Jacob. He's greater than Joseph. He's greater than Isaac. He's, he, he's greater than King David. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than anyone who's ever lived. And he is the one that can truly satisfy. And that's the point of this passage John doesn't focus exclusively on this woman's response, her, her conversion in the context here, but on what Jesus says and what he says about himself and what he has to offer. This is about Jesus. Verses 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but... Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
Listen, sister, what I have to offer you is, is, is not like the water in this well. The, the water that I offer will satisfy the one who drinks it forever. Now again, we know he's not talking about literal water, and hopefully at this point it's becoming clear to this Samaritan woman as well. And just as Jesus talks about the new birth, he's not talking about physically being born again, but what? What happens spiritually? He's talking about the work of God that, that takes place within us when we turn to Him. If you knew the gift, what's the gift? Salvation. The one who is speaking, who's speaking? It's Jesus. And He offers that which can truly satisfy the water, the living water. It's a metaphor that illustrates the work of God in salvation through His life-giving Holy Spirit. This is how we are saved. We recognize, brothers and sisters, that every other Thing that we have ever sought in our lives for a sense of accomplishment or validation or even pleasure when we elevate it above all else. All of those things are idols that can never satisfy. And even the, the, the sinner out there who finds great joy and delight in his or her sin ultimately knows deep down that there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more. And it's not until their eyes and, and their hearts and minds are open to the truth of the gospel that they begin to realize that everything else was a counterfeit. Everything else was designed to keep them from the truth. And only Jesus will satisfy. What do you thirst for, brothers and sisters? Are you thirsty? Because I want you to know that it is possible even for believers to, to, to fall back into that sinful and, I'm going to say it, stupid way of living where we begin to think, okay, you know what, my old ways that's going to make me happier than following Christ. And so what do we do? We, we develop this spiritual amnesia where we forget how the way we lived before we came to Christ literally was killing us. And what we deserved when we lived that way was literally eternal damnation. But Christ, in His mercy, made a way so that we could have those sins forgiven and, and us be restored to God forever. And the expectation for those who believe is that we're going to continue to drink from that well that is Christ our Lord. Sin is going to be tempting. That's, that's what it does. But the more that we turn to the one who truly satisfies and, and forsake that former way of living the more we begin to understand, yes, His is the best way. For the believer, His is the only way. So, so I, I begin by appealing. I begin my ending by appealing 
to the Christian here this day who is chosen to once again live like an unbeliever. Ask the question, how, how can we say that we believe what we believe and yet live like we don't believe it? If you are living in open rebellion against God, you have no assurance of your salvation, even if you are truly saved. Sin is something that we are not to wink at. Sin is something that we are not to, to take lightly or, or, to, or to make jokes about. But we are to recognize, brothers and sisters, what an offense it is to our God. Every sin is a rejection of him. Every sin is a rejection of his character, his truth, his light in this world. And for the believer to, to, to somehow say, you know what, Lord, I, I know you say you're light. I know you say, God, that you're the only one that satisfies. But you know what, I think I like darkness better. Well, Sam, I'd never say that. Well, when we choose to rebel against God, that's exactly what you're saying. So I would plead with you this morning. Repent. Turn away. Turn away from that, 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 that life that, that you've been set free from through Christ. Believe the gospel in the same way you claim to once have. To the believer who is seeking and, and struggling to remain faithful in this difficult world, I, my exhortation to you is simple. Keep turning to Christ. Thankfully, in His mercy, He has saved us to the uttermost. We cannot sin out, we cannot out sin God's grace, but that is not a, a license to go sin and do whatever we want. And those of you that are struggling to be faithful in this difficult world, you know how hard it can be. But as we turn to Him daily, not just once a day, but if you're struggling, keep going back to His Word. Keep reading it in faith with an eye to the day that He sets you free from all of this. But cling to Him because as good as that sin might feel in the moment... The conviction that follows it will be that much more painful. So keep pressing on in faith, brothers and sisters. And to the unbeliever, I close with the warning. Everything that you are filling your life with, trying to find a sense of, uh, of satisfaction, a, a, a sense of joy, something from this difficult world, it's never going to satisfy you. You stand condemned. But just as Jesus said to Nicodemus,
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Christ calls you to believe in him. Trust him. Depend upon him. For he is the one who truly satisfies. He is the Savior for all people. And by all people, I mean all kinds of people. So where is your faith? Let us pray. Lord, again, I thank you so much for this day and for these dear brothers and sisters. And I pray, Lord, uh, even as we look at, at the life of one who had spent much of her adult life seeking to find her identity and her place in life through who it was that she was married to or even sharing a bed with, Lord, that we would uh, not simply look at that and think, ooh, what a wicked woman, but Lord, we would more importantly marvel at the great love and mercy and grace that you show to all sinners. Lord, that we would see ourselves in her and, and Lord, that we would rejoice also in the offer of redemption and forgiveness that you have, 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 have given us in Christ our Lord and Savior. So, Lord, I pray for us, Lord, in the week that lies ahead, as we read your word, as we seek to be faithful in a world filled with temptation, Lord, uh, that, that each and every day, Lord, that we would not seek to, 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 to thirst for and, and lust after things that would, would be evidence of unbelief, Lord, but that our lives would be marked by, by, by continually coming back to you, seeking to be satisfied in who you are and what you offer your people. Do this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and sing. Tell me what is your
opened with Hebrews 4. Let's close with Hebrews 13, beginning at verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We are dismissed.